0: Hey there everyone, Christian Wynn here, director of Story Fort, and you're listening to StoryFort Presents, Voices of TreeFort Music Fest, a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Voices Festival of Discovery. Treefort Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March, though this year we are rescheduled for September and then rescheduled in March of 2022. We're gonna reboot then, but hey, we're still here to tell you about all things Treefort. And today we're gonna to go back into freak out February mode with the very awesome and kind and fun and funny band to the Smoky Brights who have been to Treefort a number of times and can't wait to get back and we're gonna talk about that sort of stuff we're gonna talk about the Seattle scene we're gonna talk about husband and wife duo Kim West and Ryan Dublin, who head up the group and uh, they're gonna just talk about how it is being in a band together as a married couple how they met and then we're gonna hear some awesome music from these folks too so Larry Rosen and i are gonna dive in now we hope you're doing well and we want to say thanks to up is the down is the for this awesome theme music and here comes the episode with
1: Smoky Brights. Welcome, everyone. We have Ryan and Kim here from Smoky Brights as Episode 2 of Freak Out February here at Story 4 Presents. Guys, we haven't seen you since February. I know a lot has happened since then, and in some ways, not a lot has happened since then. Um, But what we want to do today is talk a little bit about what you've been up to. I would mostly talk about the new album that has come out during the quarantine, COVID shutdown, World Gone Wild, Apocalypse. By the way, worst apocalypse ever. Give me... (laughs) I want global warming back. Give me global warming. Oh, you're <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh yeah, it's not going anywhere. Uh,
1: no, yeah. this is true. But anyways, the, the first song we're going to play is "Save Us," Sarah. But first, I do want to get a little sense of how it's been for you guys the last eight months. You know, making music is a very collaborative process. You guys are lucky that part of the band lives together and gets to collaborate on everything. We did see in your in your freakout quarantine sessions. What are the freakout? We got live, we got live, live yeah. sessions. Uh, you were playing in a studio, and it was cracking me up because you were all six feet apart.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yep. Yep. yeah. Yep. But fill us in a little bit on on some of the challenges, and maybe you know, is there any silver lining to having been in a house for eight months for people that make music in a band? Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I think the the challenges are abundant, and like I think no matter what field or profession you're in, you're you're kind of facing the same things of just things that were used to be very easy like four people getting in a room and practicing that takes a lot of planning now and just a lot of discussions about what the proper way to do it is when you add in like doing recording sessions and stuff like that yeah it's it's been a fun exercise in problem solving and also like just totally enraging and humbling cuz you're like this used to just be a normal thing
4: yeah but there i mean there definitely have been you know the silver lining first and foremost is that we get to still do this yeah you know we as you said we live together we would we would be able to do this no matter what but we have two incredible band members luke our bassist and nick our drummer who have also prioritized smokies during this pandemic. And we, you know, there's a lot of really open conversation about what are we comfortable with? You know, what are people's respective living situations in terms of roommates and stuff? And, and just making this really something that works for everybody and everybody feels comfortable with. And I've just really felt extremely lucky that we've been able to do that it's like we practice every week it's the best part of my week (laughs) by far
2: (laughs) and we are we're like fully masked with a series of fans and yeah six feet apart and really trying to
4: doing it safely do it
1: as safely as we can uh without that did you ever think when you started this you'd have to (laughs) adjust to learning how to sing with a mask on
2: no. Not
4: a skill I thought it would require, but uh... my mouth
2: is too big. Like when I sing, it just—it's gonna slide one way or the other. It's... So I have, a, I have like a double strap mask that really
0: yeah. just hugs my face.
3: Oh
2: man! Where do, you, where do
0: you? I'm curious. For you, where do you guys practice? Yeah, but your own studio, your place, or yeah.
4: downstairs
1: where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, singing—you're you're expelling all kinds of droplets when you're singing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
4: Yeah. No, it's it's been a lot of um, a lot of workarounds, you know. But it's you know that's working so far. So far.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. At, at the beginning, did you try any sort of like let's play songs over Zoom, like we've seen all the stars mm-hmm. do?
2: I mean, we did like another silver lining was we had a lot of people reaching out and being like, can you send a video? And I'm like, we're not even in the same room together. So we did a series of sessions where we all just recorded ourselves playing in early in quarantine. Yes. And then due to that, I was like, I'll just put it in iMovie. I've used iMovie before. And then I realized that like syncing four audio sources and four videos in iMovie, it's like not.
3: Doesn't work. Oh, doesn't man. work. So yeah. like, I had to
2: myself. The basics of Premiere Pro, which was just like I didn't want to do it and I was grumpy about it. But like now a, you
4: know it. And-
2: a, a week and a half of just watching YouTube videos, I can like kind of edit videos now. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. It's like it's like learning to bake, but you know, video editing. Right.
1: That's yeah, that's your new COVID skill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so neither of you had experience uh, producing before this
4: Not with video stuff.
2: We, I've been spending more and more time uh, just just recording. I have a little, we have a little home studio, and that's yeah. primarily what I what I do mm-hmm. during the day. But adding the video stuff to it was uh, totally new to me. I can only
1: imagine. Yeah. Well, I mm-hmm. want to get I want to get more into how the world situation impacted creating this album and releasing this album. But before we do that, let's hear a song off of it. We're going to start with a song called "Save Us, Sarah." And Christian and I were talking about it beforehand. I thought this is a response to all the clowns like me that walk down Broadway and Capitol Hill and go, "I was here when you guys were babies." Is is there any truth to <laughs>
2: that? Yeah, there's total truth to it's, that.
4: I mean, it's I think it's it's dedicated to a lot of a lot of the scene that predated us, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. that that created a rock and roll scene in the city that we love and created music scenes in cities that we love across the country and and made these spaces that, you know, you go on tour, you go to a town that doesn't have a live music venue that people go to or even a community space and and you can feel it you know so it's really it's a it's an homage to those spaces and the people who work to keep them going because we you know running a music venue i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy
0: it's so that sarah is not a specific person but is maybe an amalgamation of a number of people Yeah,
2: yeah it's it's a bit of the people that like you know when we were uh just younger playing in bars that would like Kind of show us the ropes and also be like, you don't know shit, because I've been, (laughs) here. you know, equally giving you shit and also helping you along. And like, I think at this point, there's a little bit of ourselves in that, too. We're like, we've been doing this for a long time and like.
1: Inevitable. uh, Yeah. Just to turn the focus before we play the song, when you were talking about going to towns without music scenes, and I was thinking of a town with a, a fledgling music scene, Boise. And when you go there for Treefort, you know, how does that feel different than being in Seattle? I may have asked you that the last time we interviewed you, because I think it's an interesting uh, area.
4: You know, we are usually in Boise around Treefort. We,
2: mm-hmm.
4: we played there a number yeah, of times. Yeah, we'll
2: play there not at Treefort, too. Not Treefort, too. Tour, we don't
4: get to spend a lot of time in this, in town, I feel like, because we're usually coming through. But, like, the,
2: certainly, like, the experience of Treefort, oh, uh, Boise, is, is, like... Everybody's like mega friendly, will yes. initiate a conversation. Yeah. Uh, often about music, which is insane. And
4: it's so flat. You can walk <laughs> anywhere. That's, That's
1: true. I guess, but I guess maybe what I was curious about is do you, is there a lower barrier to entry in a town that size? Uh, for
2: like a band or a fan or for
1: a band to get shows? I mean, do, would do you think to, to get shows or, or is, is the crowd less jaded? I don't
4: know. It, I mean, I would say the crowd in Boise, probably, Boise in particular, is pretty damn friendly.
2: Pretty damn friendly. It, it reminds like, me of, of Austin a little bit where like, yeah. everyone's just like...
4: They're there for music. They're,
2: they're, they're out for the night and they're yeah. out for live music and are like totally engaged in it. And yeah, may, I don't know. Maybe there's a little lower barrier of entry, but like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this is something yeah, you've asked about in the... All- all the arts,
0: too, I think, because I moved here, you know, and then got into the scene pretty quickly as a writer. And I think for the musicians, yeah. it's kind of the thing. It's not, I don't think in the past, not a lot of bands have moved to Boise to play music. They usually move somewhere else from Boise, but yeah. now, like, 3 it. I think it's its cool Perfect. to see. It's, it's been, and also been super sad to see this last year. No shows, hardly. We did have several outdoor, you know, set of shows this summer, but man, those venues, you know, and have played have all been like, yeah, you know, hopefully not shuttered for good, but shuttered for and, now.
1: And I, I think that's the other concern with a smaller town, like, you know, us moving to this small town, these businesses aren't as likely to survive as the businesses in a big city. Yeah. There's-
4: I got to say the businesses in our big city are and not, not to, you know, so it, it's going to be, we're, we're going to come back to a different sort of.
1: Different landscape.
4: Well, different landscape when we come back. And that's
2: what the song's about too, is, you know, uh, while our city disappears, we still have the ringing in our ears. Like that line's all about like being yeah. outside of a club, having a cigarette, and like looking up at a giant crane that's lifting away someplace that you hung <laughs> at two years ago. Yeah, now you are yeah. true Seattleites.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, should we get into Let's Sarah and how she's going to save us?
3: Yeah. One, two, three, four.
5: has been here for a while She's the city's abandoned child Black denim studded star Faded tattoos on her arm Says old punks never die Still got the band Still doing alright Says I don't have to be polite To some kid who moved here last night Say Sarah, nobody plays like you Turn it up loud and break some hearts now Do what you came to do Sharing stories, sharing cigarettes
3: Still got time for new
1: No, that actually is my favorite song off of the album. I really oh, like no. it. It's Where? it's, real, it's yeah. real anthemic and I, I like that. So the first the first five songs that we're gonna hear, four or five, I think, I think maybe four that we're gonna hear four. today are all off the new album. Kind of run us through this this recording session that we're listening to this stuff off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know you recorded in the mothership in Tacoma, and we want to get into that a little bit. Tell us why you ended up there.
2: We recorded these songs that we sent you. These are all live takes from the Mothership. I love you, but damn, we actually recorded at three different studios in Seattle. Yeah, uh, and we we started at the Hall of Justice, which is owned by Chris Walla from Death Cap for Cutie, uh, or formerly of Death Cat for Cutie, and it's also like it's super historic. It's like where Nirvana made Bleach back in the day. Yeah, uh, but it's just like a tiny little shoebox. So we you know we started off there. Uh, we went to this other big studio that's in a decommissioned church and yeah, um, those big echoey sounds that we got all the tambourines and acoustic guitars with and stuff like that and then we wound up at our producer's apartment, apartment. where we track the vocals in his closet
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's the thing thing that went into these choices
4: you know we had worked at hall of justice before that's where we recorded the ep actually with different windows on it and just love that studio yeah. it's It's real small and it's got everything you would want and nothing you don't need. You know, it's one of those spaces and it's, it's got, what's nice about it too, is there's one live room and then there's a control room. There's no third place for people to go screw around, you know. And people love to screw around in a
2: studio. Yeah, it's so fun. Like if there's a pool table, like I'll I'll be doing that instead of writing a guitar
4: part. So it's it's good. It's like a dedicated space and it's just got, and it's got the, the energy and the vibe that you want
1: so, and, and when you're working with Chris Walla, and I've never, I don't think I've talked to many new... Oh, no. we, yeah, we didn't no, work, we didn't with, work with Chris we Walla. We yeah. worked with, with
2: Andy Park, who's a fabulous producer. Oh, he's incredible. I think he's learned a lot from Chris and many other people. Um, okay.
1: Scratch that question then. I was going to ask about sort of the amount of support you get from old timers. Just continue on the Save Us, Sarah. <laughs> <if>
3: you... <laughs> no,
2: Andy's our, he's our age. He was actually... Kind of tight. I've never yeah. made a record with someone my age. Yeah, like, I've always made records with older dudes. Dude,
1: and, and speaking of your age, maybe we should skip ahead to song number four because I wanted to talk about since '85, but maybe I'll hold this until we get there. Okay. Okay. Cool. New, Christian, do you want to? Can we play it now, or should we wait until we get there?
0: We can play it now.
1: <laughs> Let's play it now because I wanted to, give it as, as a way of intro that song. Tell me about this song, because I have a sense that both of you were born in 1985 or thereabouts. And I'm wondering how, you know, you came about, let's write a song about our birth year and pretend like we were older.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's more about like people that you've been kind of with your whole life. So like never, never say die since 85. That's like, you know.
4: Yeah, it's, 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 it's sort of a song about childhood and getting older with childhood friends and, you know, the realities of friendships and how they change and the reality of people and how they change and, the importance of not taking yourself too seriously as you, as you do that.
2: It's like being yeah. friends with someone since like you were just super little kids. And then one day turning around and being like, why are we in this argument? Like, when did yeah. we get so goddamn serious? Like, who, who, who are you supposed to be now? Like, I know that you're
1: just a, this kid that I grew up with. Yeah. So other than the tacit acknowledgement that the eighties were way cool, why 85?
2: <laughs> oh, because so I'm so glad you asked this. So it's a little Easter egg. Goonies never say die. Goonies oh. my oh. Goonies up.
4: Does, the
2: movie Goonies does. was made in 1985, so I was like,
3: Which I, I was wanted to work in this
2: Goonies line. It's also, also my the
3: birth year, year. Ryan was
4: born. So it's more oh. of like a Goonies
0: reference. <laughs> That's cool. Have you been to the Goonies house in Astoria? Yeah. Yeah.
3: We
4: that was the first place we went when we played Astoria. And then the next time we came back, there were like signs all around it that were like "no parking,
2: no trespassing." No parking. looking,
4: and they put tarps over the house. Yeah, they put like
2: blue tarps like, over this beautiful house,
4: dude. You bought the Goonies house,
2: yeah? He- yeah. He the owners or
0: something.
4: Yeah, the so yeah,
0: this is beautiful. It's up on the hill, and yeah, like,
4: yeah.
1: No. That happened. Um, the house from, um, I think it was Rear Window in San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For years and years and years. People were harassing the owners, and finally, just in the last few years, they built a huge wall out in front of it so you couldn't look at it anymore.
0: <laughs> oh.
4: I can see it from both sides. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> they may not buy the house actually.
0: Oh, uh, well, should we go into the
4: song?
1: Let's do it, let's go right into it.
2: All, All right.
0: right, since '85.
5: Elementary, public pool with our shirts on, fighting with our squirt guns. Never say die since '85, yeah. had problems and so did mine we lit a fire in the alley with our homework after graduation have you ever felt so free yeah. attack fake
1: That was since 85. I have to off the top, you know, I, I like your Goonies tribute song much better than Iggy Pop's Goonies tribute song. Just telling you that. Which, uh, what's Iggy Pop? I'm kidding, there is no Iggy Pop Goonies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, because oh, we're not tough guys. That's what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> no, but
1: you we were just talking before we came back. You were mentioning when, the ba- when a band begins to travel by air. Yeah? Yes. And some of the challenges that presents. And I hadn't realized that you had gotten to that point. So, tell, you know, do talk a little bit about you would think that would be. First of all, yeah, I guess I'll ask, is that a moment of triumph or is it just a moment of added hassles?
2: The moment of triumph is if you get on the other end, it all works. Yes. I'm like, does not stall on your synth?
4: It's, yes. It's super fun. It's really exciting. It's always exciting. You know, like air travel is, you know, kind of whatever in everyday life, but then you add like some fun thing you're doing to the end of it and everything just feels a little more magical, but it's also a huge stressor, especially when you have- you know, thousands right. of dollars a year that you're watching out for. And you're just like pushing it away onto a mm-hmm. conveyor belt that some airport employees, like not even glancing at. And you're like, that one's, please,
1: <laughs> please, <laughs> get
4: safe.
1: Oh, please, please. You <laughs> have to pick it up at the weird shaped luggage thing down at baggage claim. Oh, boy, how,
3: well of time uh... there. how does <laughs> it,
1: change, how does it change the, the dynamic of the band if you're not traveling in a van anymore, or even in a bus? I mean, if you're not spending all that time squished into a little place, it's got to change things.
4: Oh, don't worry. We show up to somewhere where we all get into a van again. Yeah, we'll immediately. There's no getting away from each other.
2: <laughs> but it has made us like way less precious about like playing, tone. like playing our own gear. Like there was a point in my, I've played in rock bands forever, and it's like if I can't have my tone, man, like it's not even the sound. How do you
4: get in the zone, man? And,
2: like eventually, you like you fly in and just start playing backline amps and. Uh,
4: oh yeah, one hundred percent.
2: Totally a okay with playing a PD. Yep. Anything doesn't matter.
4: Shout out to PV.
2: But yeah, I don't know. Like the the it's made us like definitely think streamlined. Like we 100%. we we try and make a big range of sounds, but we also try and think about how we can make that range of sounds with just the minimal instruments. Like it's, it's always just Kim's Juno synth. It's always my guitar. It's always Nick on drums and always Luke on bass. Like
1: and our, and there's got to be financial considerations too
2: with music. <gasps> what <laughs> uh,
1: specifically yeah. with touring and deciding what to bring.
4: Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of uh, utilizing every airline benefit that may exist between the four of us. I mean, we really do. We we look at the respective mileage cards and, you know, membership benefits and yada, yada. And it's like, which airline are we buying our tickets on? Well, who's going to give us the most free bags for this trip? It's it comes down to that.
2: (laughs) That's a a big group thread is like figuring out air travel. But like, yeah, we like we make the calculation now, like we fly with Kim's synth even though it's really expensive to bring this big synth around because like we did a fly-in show to new york and like we brought this like this little synth module that synth. we plugged into a midi controller that was like totally unstable and was at this club that had this big neon sign behind us yeah and, like when the sound guy decided to turn the neon sign on it oh. just like killed kim's synth immediately and then
4: every time well then it kept coming back on but anytime mikey our guitarist at the time would hit his pedals everything would go out i mean it was it was just all on one circuit so it was not well it was a fire trap
3: yeah <laughs> oh god
2: yeah <laughs> the guy, you're like okay this thing won't you, you fail learned, me you learn thing... to know
4: what you really need and what you can slough off
2: and that show was the first time kim got out with you just like grabbed the mic and started like going through the audience because you're <laughs> i didn't have any keyboard and everyone was like i love how you just get out in the crowd and you're like yeah that was me
1: <laughs> oh, okay. before, so I, can, I, I can see you chomping on the bit over there Wynn, to bring to bring the next song in
0: Well, I was gonna say um we'll get i love you but damn which is a title track to the album yeah. correct and awesome. also we'll play um 72 block those together then we'll get on to the other songs you want to ask a couple album questions there mr rosen and then I do uh,
1: actually I wanted to get back to to not only the songs on the album but the, the creation of the album and the subsequent marketing of the album because i know anyone putting out any piece any product um this year it's got extra layers of challenge to it you know and I, did you rec- did you record this before the world shut down or during
4: we recorded <laughs> before. it before the world shut down we, we, we recorded did. it last winter and
2: then like had been working at it for you know almost two years prior to that building up to this moment we had four tours booked you know like boy
1: okay so so that i actually only really had one big question and given all that then did you was there a debate about whether or not to hold on to it or to release it now
2: um you know we there was a debate to hold on to it but like a lot of these songs they they felt like things that maybe people could benefit from at this moment too Mm -hmm. like even the song i love you but damn is about love at a distance and Save Us, Sarah is about worrying that the venue you love is going to shut down. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, these kind of took on some different meanings. And yeah. it, we, we pushed it back a little bit. And then it was like, no, this feels right. Like, it feels like people will be able to accept this, even if, you know, it's hard to catch a break media-wise because everything's so crazy. Like, right. people that uh, got hip to this record and are still getting
1: hip to it, I think it, Yeah, I'm glad we put it out for them. Did you have to change your expectations of what The reception would be like, or how you would be able to support it?
4: You know, I think, yeah, we, we had to change our expectations into how it would be received, because we were and are such a live performance focused band that is, you know, I would say our best asset is our live show and really pride ourselves on that. And we're really looking forward to that (laughs) just to, you know, we had all these tours booked and all these great shows and it was a, it was a major bummer to lose all that, but then it forced us to get focused on to actually video, videotaping ourselves doing this. Like
2: we've outside of KXP, we've never actually been like, here's what we do in front of a camera.
4: Yeah. So, you know, and it was like, so to focus on that and, and start putting it out that way, and all of a sudden we're finding ourselves with fans in parts of the world we actually haven't ever been to. And probably
2: wouldn't be able to get to like Peru and Egypt mm. and uh, yeah. people from kind of all over the world. Now that we've externalized what we do onto YouTube, the potential to reach for peoples kind of growing. So that, yeah. was, that was completely a result of, of COVID. <laughs>
1: It almost seems like you're an anachronism then because we live in an age where a lot of musicians and, and other performers start with that first. We,
2: we're old.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be a lot, a lot easier of a way to have done it. Probably a lot, you know. Smarter.
2: Smarter. And smarter more successful a lot, way less to do it. Less stressful on our bodies like,
4: and all those sorts of uh, things. But damn, if it would be less fun.
2: Yeah. And it's like, we, we, we can only make, what we can make, we can make, and we can only do what we can do. And like we're we're like a live rock and roll band and we're also a studio band we love tracking in the studio but
4: and now we're a video band
1: but now we're a video band. yeah
4: let's let's play these two
1: songs and then we'll get back to we'll talk a little bit more about that after uh we play these two Cool. Okay, tight.
0: Yeah. And these are all recorded live, I believe, from the Freakout Live for the mothership. And that's a pretty sweet video, by the way, that you guys and there's some other ones from Freak Out Records on there. So I don't have the website off the top of my head, but Freakout Records.
4: Freakout
0: Okay. That'll be in the show notes too. But anyway, here's the songs.
3: i
1: was just great. <laughs> it was fantastic. Yes. So I wanted to get back into uh, talking about being on video because you said it's something fairly new to you, which actually does kind of surprise me. And I'm sort of with you that I, it seems a little wonky to start by <laughs> becoming a, a, a TV star and then deciding, you know, to build from there. <laughs> but at some point then in the last few months, when you've decided to start doing this, you've had to adapt to performing with no audience, but instead performing for a camera. So tell me a little bit of what that's been like and have you been six feet apart the whole time, like in the freak out live video.
4: You know, we've been as safe as, as one can be. We actually recorded a release video at the Tractor Tavern, which is one of our favorite venues in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the first major piece of video content we put together in quarantine that wasn't like a you know an iphone video iphone video yeah. or something and it, it once again it took a lot of logistical work and we had you know one of the doors open most of the time for airflow and whole camera crews in masks and masks and
2: it decided which shots we could get even <laughs> like yeah it, it's not possible to get like these tight shots of of aaron our hand percussion player playing the bongos because no one's getting in there it's like these are yeah. Yeah, yeah. So artistic direction is even shaped by it.
4: Yeah, it definitely takes some of the some of the performance energy, and it, it's a different energy, you know. But yeah. it's, it's also a different way of performing because you know we do a lot of like crazy climbing on stuff and thrashing around when we play live, but you do that on a video, and someone's just sitting there like eating their lunch at their desk, like,
2: <laughs> and you're in an empty room. Okay,
4: this, yeah, like
2: it's it's the difference of like moving from you know. Putting on a play and you're like gesticulating big and you're like loud yeah. and you're like Oh, and then you get on like a film camera and you're doing the same thing and the directors gonna be like whoa whoa buddy
3: yeah whoa,
1: <laughs> whoa. right so it's gotta change the
3: way yeah
1: change the way you perform I mean you know I, I don't think Eddie Vedder was gonna climb up into the rafters on the even flow video if there was nobody there <laughs> <laughs> what do you think were you thinking consciously I'm sure you've gotten more in, in you know used to it now. But when you first did that at the tractor, were you thinking consciously? Oh shoot, I can't go out. There's no crowd. I can't go out into the crowd. I can't jump around.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was so cool to be back in our favorite venue and to be playing live. And then, you know, there was always this little. The, the, yeah, it was it was a little bittersweet to just be in your favorite place that's usually just so packed and wall to wall and. Sweaty and full of our hot droplet-filled breath, uh and just to be there all by your
1: lonesome is a very different. Just
4: your own droplets. Yeah, just Whoa. your own droplets.
1: Yeah, I would imagine there was kind of a little moment of melancholy there. Like, shoot, is this how it's going to be from now on?
2: I'm even leaving, being like, okay, I don't know well, when the next time.
4: In, that was in July, man.
2: Yeah, was wow. Wow. Like, oh, yeah. July.
4: We,
2: we, we still thought we might have a european tour right? <laughs> oh, and like, right. other things happening and like yeah. yeah now it's like i don't know 2022 maybe yeah.
1: I thought we were thinking of things in terms of weeks yeah i remember that i know phases
3: Phases.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay and you've toured europe before
4: yes uh
2: ever. yeah we we did we're
4: we we did so one lucky.
2: uh one short tour in the uk we did a week in the uk a couple of years ago which was super fun and then we did a month in mainland europe in 2018 Less. 2019 2019 yeah god that was not that long ago no and then we had another month-long tour in mainland europe booked for this november that obviously is not happening we're hoping to get back next november if things are together but you know everything's tv right now and
1: Uh, We'll tour when everyone else gets a tour. So, you know, you mentioned you're hoping to go next year. You already had it booked out. Do people have tours, do you think, locked and loaded when this ends? Are you in contact with venues going, all right, as soon as this ends, we're coming? Or is it just going to wait and then start booking?
4: I think different people people are taking it different ways. I know a lot of major artists have just rebooked tours, and then they can afford to rebook tours. And they can afford to rebook tours, and they can afford to rebook tours. tours. So, you know, it's like you can do it. You know until the cows come home but but if you, you have a small team like you a smaller the, the, team you, you, booking a tour is like it's, it's, it's a lot of work it's
2: like 40 hours of work you know if you book a small tour you can only repeat that action so many times
1: well and i would imagine too um i know for you kim because you have a, a second career you can only ask for those days off so many times in a row
4: yeah that's i mean i'm, I'm really lucky in that i can work almost entirely remotely so i usually I'm still working while we're on tour.
1: Oh, that is that's some punk rock right there. Yes.
4: <laughs> yeah, baby. DIY, it's DIY. <laughs> I did it. I did it <laughs> myself.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, well, we're hoping to have you guys at uh, Tree Ford in September of 2021. So I know that the team is hard at work getting the the, the line up and stuff, and so that's a whole lot of work too. Seeing what Gilbert does and the rest of the team, like. Booking 400 plus bands and this week out
2: happening safely will be there, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. We're, we're hoping for, but should we move into. Different Windows, and that was a song you guys did. I don't want to call it quite like a B-side, but you have like a day one recording session and a day two, but the day two, when you were doing this down um, for Freak Out Live or you know, in studio at the Mothership, the you had kind of a different vibe, you said, at least in the email you sent me. So what were you going for maybe with this? Is a different version of a song that's already been on an album, I think you said?
2: Maybe- yeah. yeah. The, the original version of Different Windows, you, you can look it up. It's on the Different Windows EP. It's like super disco-y and kind of driving and full of kind of sparkly synths and drum samples and stuff like that. But like every song that Smokey's put out, it's usually originated with like me playing acoustic guitar and Kim playing the piano. And we do a lot of gigs where it's it's just us doing that. So like that day two was actually just like, okay, well, we're all set up. Let's get the full band in on this and a little bit more like a like bill withers at carnegie kind of vibe where everyone's just kind of sitting down and just really trying to groove and
1: make it it is is that something you want to do is look back at old songs and think about ways they could be different
2: oh yeah always all the time like yeah i'm a like super big bob dylan uh junkie and like that's one of my favorite parts of what he did throughout the years is you know a song you might recognize is gonna sound totally different on the next tour and that's. I think that's really cool to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it keeps it fresh for you as the uh, as the singer and the writer, and it keeps it fresh with the audience too.
4: It feels indulgent too as a writer because you know whenever you finish something and you record it, you'll think it's great for the first little bit, and then the more you listen back to it, you're like, "God, I really would have done that if I could do that now." And it's like, "Hey, why don't you yeah. just do that differently when you play it live?" Yeah, you you're like yeah.
1: But I guess the payoff question then is when you the next time you play it live, then yeah. How do you play it? And if it's a song that's been popular and you've rejiggered it, do you give the people what they want or do you give yourself what you want? I, I hope to have that crisis more
2: deeply in the
4: future. Yes. I can't wait to have that. <laughs> like some, <laughs> some angry uh, big
1: tantrum on stage. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, yeah, Give hope... me a piece of his mind because we didn't play the right version.
4: Oh, uh, I can't wait for that.
2: Yeah. I can't wait for that. So
4: but excited. yeah,
2: t- typically we just, we just try and represent the songs the best we can represent them and you know usually we're playing it the way it's on the record but um
4: it'll also differ but depending on what the performance is yeah you know
2: we'll play a lot of things where it's like okay we just showed up and this looks more like a cafe where people are gonna be sitting down let's play the mellower version of this or let, mm-hmm. let's play this more songwriter song as opposed to the, the rocked up get them dancing set Ooh. all right well let's, let's, let's listen to this
0: one and uh, yeah enjoy different, different windows
1: We're getting toward the end of our, our visit here with Ryan and Kim from Smoky Brights. So we're going to eventually, we're going to play two more songs that are as yet unreleased, but before we do that, I did want to talk a little bit about your relationship with freak out. I know it's, it's exceedingly good with freak out records. Um, and I know you just did a, a freak out live session where Skylar was actually in the studio with you. I asked him if he was one of your bubble friends and he said he was, um, <laughs> So t- tell us a little bit about you know. You put out a record during the pandemic. You said there was a little bit of debate over whether to hold it back, but in the end, you decided you wanted to move forward with it. You know what? How, how's the relationship different between artist and label when everyone's stuck in their homes?
4: I think we've had a lot more time to all just talk with each other. We were all. I mean, you probably couldn't have found a more busy group of people. Uh, you know, in this area, in this industry, which before this, I, I think about actually our schedules before COVID and I'm like, maybe it was a good thing that we all have had to Hit the
3: brakes for a take
4: minute. a deep breath. Cause you know, we, we hustle, we work and Guy is probably the best hustler out there. Like that dude is always working and Guy Keltner of, yeah, freak out. Of, of freak out. Same with Skylar. Like he, he works a full-time job yeah. and then, you know, does freak out too. And so we found a lot more time to check in and yeah. talk, I like
2: mean, over this Zoom happy hour. Yeah, a lot uh, of Zoom happy hours, things. a lot of
4: phone calls, a lot of just you know.
2: It's been good because yeah, usually we, we we communicated a lot, but yeah, usually we're just like running in between gigs. We're in a different city. We're backstage. Yeah,
4: all in uh, different we're, shout, we're shouting
2: over a show. Yeah, I, you know, we're shouting over a show a lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
4: so many conversations.
2: Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That, that that's been really nice.
1: Just. Uh, But so the relationship you have with those guys, it goes deeper than the artist label relationship. If you were to get signed by a major label tomorrow, I don't think you would have that sort of, you wouldn't be having zoom happy hours.
2: No,
4: no, but we would still have Guy and sky as friends. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think there's a, there's a strong understanding that the relationship goes far beyond business, you know, Mm -hmm. and will withstand any changes in whatever the music industry becomes as we start coming back from COVID and, trying to pick up the pieces (laughs) it's it feels amazing to have friends in your corner that you know are going to love you and support you no matter what and you're going to support them no matter what
1: yeah value you may never have that again in business so value that for sure Um, so we've got a couple unreleased songs here we thought we'd use that as a jumping off point to talk about what comes next and i know you know what comes next is such a difficult question right now because nobody really knows what comes next but you've got a bunch of songs in the can here or songs that are in development here. I assume you're always working on the next album, you're always trying to get out and tour even though we're on hold right now. What are you doing to sort of plan for that eventuality?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, we we are writing a lot and working a lot and it's been really great to kind of still be able to practice but make all of these songs in a space where you know the way we would write before was we would get a song maybe halfway written and then we'd be like let's play it live we play it live for six months and figure out all the kinks with it and then come back and throw it into the studio and just lay it down Mm -hmm. and with this next batch of songs we're writing it's like we are getting to down to the nitty gritty on it, and it's going to be just like this beautiful polished pearl before we even step into a studio to put it together.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's going to be informed by different forces. You yeah, know? like these aren't songs that are specifically road tested for playing in a rock venue. It's just like th- this is what's inspiring us and how we're feeling right now, and hopefully that'll resonate because I think a lot of us are feeling and with similar experiences.
1: We talked a little bit about, you know, maybe some some silver linings in this period. Um, and it sounds like, you know, what you just described to me is a silver lining, you know, that now you're, you're completing songs a different way than you were when you were hustling around as much. Do you think you'll be able to take that forward? Or do you think the day that vaccine hits, you'll be back to business as it was before?
2: I think it's it's all cumulative, like every, yeah. every good and bad experience you have doing this.
4: Yeah, it'll,
2: it, it adds up to yeah, every, where we're at now.
4: Everything grows and changes, you know, without the entire world shifting underneath your feet. So <laughs> it'll just but for the record, the moment I can get that vaccine. Whoa, I put it in me. Put it in yeah. me. It in. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, we'll be among the last people in line to get it. But once we do, just tell me where to line up.
4: I know. I did that quiz on the New York Times. It was like, where do you stand in line? I was like, cool.
1: Uh- <laughs> I'm actually behind Jake Tapper. Shoot. <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> yeah, but maybe by the time this airs, you will have gotten that.
1: Oh, yes. In February? That's like a dream come true. Are you oh, kidding me? Well,
0: we'll see. Well, cool. So thanks so very much for coming on the podcast again and awesome new music, unreleased music. And it was really fun for me and I'm sure for Larry too, just to kind of dive back into your stuff. I've been listening, you know, on and off throughout the pandemic time, but yes. just to kind of do a deep dive and get into some some of the cool work you've been doing and
1: just thank um, yeah. Thank you for giving us new music, you know. Oh yeah. man,
4: exactly. thank you for listening and there will be more on the way and it'll be Yes.
1: And
0: when uh, we'll drink a beer in uh, in Boise with you sometime. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. You- uh-huh.
4: You can count on this, dude. First round on me.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> Back at the old 10th Street Station, perhaps.
4: Oh, God. Can't wait.
0: But anyway, yeah. So we got the last two songs, um, Unity and Honey Eye. And um, hey, we'll see you at the fest.
3: We <laughs> ah, <get> up there. <laughs>
0: That was the Smokey Brights in great conversation, a little listening party, getting back into the music here in Freakout February, which was super fun. Larry Rosen and I very much enjoyed our conversation with Kim and Ryan, and you can find out more about what they're up to and what Freakout Records is up to at Freakout Rec. Dot com. You can find out more about what uh, what's up for the festival at TreeFortMusicFest.com, where you can get your tickets. Um, we want to say thanks again to Eavesdrop Studios. We want to say thanks to Up Is The Down Is The, and our fine team at StoryFort and TreeFort, taking you through Freak Out February. So, listen in next Monday. Uh, we've got another one for you. Take care, and one day soon, this September, ideally, we shall see you at the fest.
3: Tomorrow never came